We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Pete Overzet from uh, his YouTube channel and from the Fantasy Life newsletter. Uh, if you play any sort of uh, best ball and underdog, I'm sure you've come across them at some <laughs> point in time. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Are, are, are you in those underdog best ball streets as well? Uh, very, I'm dabbling in, I'm, I'm starting to wait in now. I'm, I'm a little late adapter as far as that goes. Uh, I, I, I do baseball too, so I always am way behind the crowd on that. Yeah, well, I will say uh, I they recently added a naming feature where you can go back and name your drafts so you can kind of, you know, keep track of them. And I was tabbing through a lot of my drafts and some of them not looking so pretty, you know, a couple months later. So your <laughs> right. strategy of waiting until the season starts might work out for you. Yeah, I mean, I like doing early drafts. I've done it like a couple of NFFC drafts and all that. I'm more of a season long guy than I am a best ball guy. Uh, that's always been my bias. Uh, but, you know, what the thing is, I do love best balls. It's great just because you just draft. Drafting is the best part of the fantasy experience. But uh, I love being able to do more. I just haven't done enough. Uh, and I know underdog, like Mario Puig for us does a ton of them for us. I did co-host of the uh, Sirius XM show with him today on that. But so he's waited in those streets a lot more than I have. You might have run across him a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's you start. they start to feel like friends and family drafts. Lots of familiar faces in there. Yeah, I see uh, uh, Davis Maddock all the time uh, and all yeah. that. He, he, he's uh, been a frequent guest on our show. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you see a lot of that going on there. Um, so there's it's it's always fun to get going on the draft. So I'll be, in fact, I've got a huge layover coming up next week on a flight. So I'm going to probably squeeze in a few there. And I'm just uh, getting up to speed for that. So you're going to help me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Sounds awesome. And you've been killing it with the Fantasy Life newsletter, uh, you, now daily, uh, and I love seeing that every day in my inbox there. And it's good stuff there, especially because it's uh, you know ESPN uh, and RotoWire and Matthew Berry and all that. We've been involved in the RotoPass uh, venture for a long time, so happy to see that connection to all that there. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I like was very thankful that we started going daily because I was doing it every other day, and I was you know scrolling through, you know checking up on the news, reading the sites. And there was so much information once training camp started that it was like, all right, we need to do this daily now. Yeah. Otherwise, the, the fire hose of information, it's just it's blasting right now. How do you apply a sieve to it there to get out what the, the good stuff is and stop instead of like overreacting to the panic news? Because I, I see that happening all the time this type of year. 
Yeah, I've uh, I this was is my really the first year of actually like you know you there's the RotoWire blurbs and I read those and then I like clicking through to the source material as well. I would right. say the two things that I think are the most actionable are I really like this new wave of some of these beat reporters actually charting usage. So Elliot Shore Parks for the Eagles the other day. Yes. Yes, had he's great. 10, yeah, through 10 practices, the actual touches and catches for all the running backs. I think that's extremely valuable. And then just injury stuff, I think, is also, you know, concrete information. When I see a guy like, you know, Rashad Bateman now being out, I I think that's meaningful to what that does to the offense and the ADP. So those are the things we can hang our hats on. The stuff I try to avoid is one player saying another player looks great, a player mm-hmm. saying he's in the best shape of his life. Um team depth charts which are literally just done by interns often on there so like if we can ignore the noise and focus on the little nuggets we can get some good stuff yeah exactly let's start with bateman because that's a big one there i i liked uh, all the reports i was seeing on him although that's was the reports but you know finally giving uh you know lamar his number one receiver perhaps and now he's got this groin injury he's out week to week you never like seeing that it's uh sometimes that means like four weeks six weeks eight weeks uh, it really depresses his uh, draft stock in, in both, I would guess, in best ball and in season long. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think maybe if you get a discount in best ball, it's a little more palatable. Like if he falls to, you know, let's say the 14th, 15th round, which I haven't seen him going there yet. Hopefully he gets there so I can get some more cheap shares. But yeah, I'm with you in managed leagues, unless you have an IR spot. I mean, that's such a tough hold. And we saw it last year with a guy like Jalen Rager. He started the season and then quickly got hurt. And it just took him so long to get back up to speed because it's not even just going through the rehab. It's then getting on the field and earning targets in a low volume pass offense it was already a tight you know needle to thread and i'm I'm really worried the deck is kind of stacked against him now yeah i think so too the one thing i will say is i'm going to buy the dip in my dynasty league if it comes to me in the second round that's where i really want to swoop in for sure yeah i mean the the long game nothing has changed here for rashad bateman and he is shaping up to be one of those you know buy the dip in the second year buy the dip in uh in dynasty but i'm afraid we might have to let him go for redraft yeah i'm afraid you're right too zach moss hurt his hamstring you know he's coming back off the ankle surgery over the offseason there were a lot of rave reviews in camp about him as as mario was bringing up to on the show today though it's like the the whole buffalo context depresses his stock to begin with just because it's hard for running backs to score well on a regular basis you know there'll be games where he'll have his moments but he's just it's hard to get that many touches from him and this really i think sets him back a little bit yeah, it does. And it's it's a different injury. You know, his it was the ankle that ended his season last year. Now this is a hamstring. Those things can get, you know, re-agitated so easily that hamstrings really scare me. Uh, and yeah, it puts De- Devin Singletary in focus. I didn't even mention this in the newsletter, but I think Matt Breda should be on the radar a little bit yeah. as the running back three. He's reportedly having a good camp and has had some juice. Like he he's a explosive player. So yeah, I'm I think Singletary has been underpriced even before this Zach Moss stuff. You can get him pick 150, 155 on underdog. I think he should be going more in the 125, 130 range, especially in light of this Zach Moss news. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, it's a shame. I, I kind of liked where Moss was going, yeah. but now not so much, obviously. But we'll see. Uh, plenty of other stuff, other times still to come. Darren Waller hasn't practiced eight straight days. I haven't seen today's report yet. Uh, so I don't know about today, but. We don't know why, first of all, that that bugs me. And that that's sort of this time, which means it could be like the, the infamous Jamal Charles carted off. Oh, he sat in the front front seat of a car golf cart. 
or it could be actually something real. I don't know what to do with him. Where are you on him? Yeah, I'm with you. I've been, I think, a little different than the market in that I prefer George Kittle over Darren Waller. Uh, okay. So I haven't been getting a ton of him as is. And then you factor in this uncertainty with his injury, which, like you said, it's undisclosed. That seems really weird to me. We haven't gotten many reports about it. And the whole case for Darren Waller is this volume case. Like, yeah, he's an athlete, but this isn't going to be a great offense. It's just, he's going to get peppered with targets. I think there are some other factors working against him, even aside from the injury. I mean, Brian Edwards, I think is a guy who could take a step forward this year. Henry Ruggs, I think could also have a second year bounce back. They bring in John Brown. Uh, they want to establish the run there with Kenyon Drake now there as well. So I don't know if he's going to see the massive volume he did last year. Then you throw in uncertainty around his health. And I want George Kittle over him uh, right now in drafts. Yeah, and I take the the receivers that fall in that range too at ADP over him now because I might have done it anyhow. Like yeah. I'm taking AJ Brown, AJ Brown ahead of him. It's whether I take McLaurin, Keenan Allen. Uh, that's that's where I kind of now I've kind of slid him back behind those guys too. Yeah, that is a tough decision once you're. Yeah, I agree with you. There's that little tear break after like Keenan and Ceedee Lamb right before McLaurin and uh, Allen Robinson. And yeah, yep. if you can get. Waller there, I, I think that's still uh, still nice just because in these best ball drafts, especially the kind of structural advantage you get from an elite tight end is really big. So I don't mind, take, don't mind taking stabs on him, but if we don't start to hear some information in the next week or so, I think we should probably hit the panic button. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Allen Robinson, uh, he left with a slight hammy injury today. Uh, we don't know the full details on that, probably won't for a little bit, but Anytime you see a muscle injury from a receiver, you get worried a little bit here and there. Uh, he was scratched with a hammy issue. Uh, the, the question for him is, and there, I guess there's rain may have played a role in this too, a little bit, just me, maybe being a little overprotective. Now, the question for Robinson is, is this the year he finally gets a good quarterback? Is it going? Is Andy Dalton uh, going to play, first of all, over Fields, or is it going to be Fields right away? And is Fields that much of a leap ahead of what he's had before? Yeah. I, I do think there's lots of unknowns with this situation. Matt Nagy has been pretty uh, you know stubborn in saying that Andy Dalton is the starter. We continue to see these incredible throws by Justin Fields out of training camp, and it yeah. does truly boggle the mind to not start him week one. But I do think we're heading there. That said, I think the change is going to happen pretty quick. I feel like this is going to be a couple week little thing here. I don't know whether it's lip service or whatever, paying respects to the veteran, but I think we get Fields there soon. And I do think he's a massive, massive upgrade over anything Allen Robinson has ever had. I do think, though, there are we see these different kind of quarterbacks come in that are rushing quarterbacks. And the question is, sometimes they're so good that he's not going to lock in to Allen Robinson and pepper him right. with 12 targets a game. If he's the best version of himself, he's probably going to be sprinkling it in to Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. And they have the speedster now, uh, Marquise Brown, the slot guy, Daz Newsom. So that's going to be interesting. But clearly, Allen Robinson is still the best wide receiver here. And I think he's set for a great year. I think when you take him at his ADP, you're kind of, you're getting a nice floor. I don't know if Allen Robinson could be like a late first, early second round pick next year. That seems like it would be a big leap for him, but I don't mind mixing in Allen Robinson right now, assuming he's healthy. I was going to follow up. Is that a priority? To, are you looking to find the guy that can be the first rounder next year? Is that something you're looking for in that range? Is that always in mind? Are you looking for that upside? 
Yeah, and I, I can't take credit for this. This is something Sean Siegel over at Rotoviz, another guy part of the Rotopass network that I get to write yep. about a lot in the newsletter. And this is something he really takes a look at. There was also an interesting thread. Uh, Sam Hoppen actually looked at if Dynasty ADP was like a better predictor for uh, redraft success with that same thing in mind. We're trying to draft the guys who are going to be first round dynasty picks next year. And I think, you know, you don't want to swing too far in that other direction, but I do think it helps illustrate the type of players we want to target because I think in general fantasy managers, sometimes they want to get small hits and small misses. And I'd rather have you know, big hits and big misses. And so that's why I'm willing to chase a lot of these younger upside guys where if things do break right, you get the next Justin Jefferson, the next T Higgins. So I like having that in the back of my mind when I draft. I do too. And, uh, and I, you know, something Chris Liss and I talk about all the time on the show. Uh, I want to go on that topic just a little bit more, but first a quick note from our title sponsor, WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Pete Overzet from uh, his YouTube channel, the Pete Overzet YouTube channel, and the Fantasy Life newsletter. Uh, I caught your appearance on Pat Mayo's uh, pod and you're talking how you're, you, this was before the injury to Bateman, unfortunately, but you're talking about how you are finding yourself liking a lot of the rookie wide receivers. You're looking for that swing, you know, the big swing. I've noticed it's always with wide receivers that you're looking for with these guys. Is that just your bias? Is that the way you, you prefer to draft? Yeah. I mean, I, I still like taking big swings with uh, running backs as well, but I feel like the opportunity cost of doing that in those mid rounds is much higher because the wide receivers offer, I think, higher floors and higher ceilings in a lot of cases. So I want to be aggressive in taking big swings with every pick I make, but in general, I feel more comfortable taking my big cuts at running back later in the draft. You know, we, we, we've talked, you know, for years about kind of the, the injury rates and the bus rates for these running backs. That said, um, I do still want exposure to some of these mid round guys. I think this is a unique year in that the term, the dead zone has become like a popular yeah. water cooler topic. And that generally is referring to the running backs in rounds three through five, three through six, who their projectable volume looks good on paper, but in reality and with the chaos of the season might be a little bit misleading. That said, I think this year, some of those guys like DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins are really, really attractive dead zone running backs. And then I also am very uh, intrigued by the rookies, Javante Williams and Travis Etienne. So as much as I generally prefer the wide receivers in those range, I do force myself to get exposure because all four of those guys I mentioned have the profile to be a first round pick next year. I was going to follow up and say, do you have much ETN in your profile there or if you're underweight on him? But uh, how about Trey Sermon? Does he, does he qualify as that sort of upside too? Yeah. 
for sure. And I think Trey Sermon is nice because he can fit in a couple different builds. You know, if you start with your two running backs early and then you draft a lot of wide receivers, you can come back and get Trey Sermon in the seventh or eighth as your third running back. I also think he fits with zero RB builds. You hammer pass catchers, you then grab, you know, your Gaskin or, you know, a guy like that and then come back and have Sermon as your second running back. And all the reports out of training camp are that he's picked up the playbook really quickly. He's catching passes. I really think that he could be used interchangeably with Raheem Mostert right out of the gate. The team has already said that they want to run the ball 500 times this season. So if he's in a 50-50 in a run-heavy offense while they get Trey Lance up to speed, I think he could be a really big fantasy asset. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, And the question is, I mean, I I think... The Niners are going to use both these guys. I don't think you're going to get the bell cow back with them. You're going to get a good partial share. And then you have to worry what happens when Wilson comes back or if Elijah Jenkins is worth anything at the end of this. You know, they got him with his his pretty interesting measurables coming out of uh, the combine, too. So I, I worry about that a little bit. But, man, I like the talent of both these guys. I, I, in fact, I don't mind getting Mostert even later. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I do end up with more Mostert just because he's cheaper. And again, yeah. I often think about the kind of type of production you need in your build. I do feel more comfortable with Mostert with that right out of the gate production. I think he is going to earn more carries um, and probably going to get their first touch and, and have first crack at a lot of this stuff. But as I see the season going on, we know Mostert isn't a picture of health. Trey Sermon feels like one of those guys who could just finish so strong down the stretch. So if I am in a zero RB build and I need those touches right out of the gate, I am often grabbing a Moster, a James Connor, because I do think they're going to be involved. Um, but then in the the true upside builds, or if I already have a couple running backs early and I don't need that early production, I do want to swing for the fences with a guy like Sermon. Yeah, uh, and uh, he's you know it's going to be fun to watch to see how that works out with that. Speaking of the Niners, though, uh, do we see F- Justin Fields first or do we see Trey Lance first? Who who's out there first? I think it's going to be Trey Lance because I think Kyle Shanahan is a less stubborn, you know, more forward thinking coach than Matt Nagy. And I think, I think Kyle Shanahan wants to win at all costs and he doesn't really care about anything other than that. And even though he might be paying lip service right now to Jimmy Garoppolo, I think when the chips are on the table, he is going to say Trey Lance gives us the best chance to win. He is our starter. And because they have such a good kind of infrastructure there, a great line, a good defense, good running game, I think you can throw a rookie in there without worrying that they're going to be completely overwhelmed. And we've already seen him neuter an offense for Jimmy Garoppolo. He played to Jimmy's skill set. And I think once Kyle Shanahan starts dreaming up the things he can do with this offense with Trey, uh, with, uh, Trey Lance, I think it's going to be wheels up for him. And I just feel like Matt Nagy's a little more old school, wants the rookie to pay his dues, wants Mm -hmm. to prove it, wants to see Dalton fail before he uh, pulls the plug. So I'm leaning Lance there. Yeah, I I am too. Uh, I don't have a lot of either so far. Uh, I think I am definitely going to find myself, especially as the uh, hype increases with Lance, that I probably will end up a little bit more. I saw in your newsletter today that he pairs pretty well uh, with Kirk Cousins, actually, and it, I know you're. And I'm not giving pro- proper attribution. It wasn't. Uh, it was Levitan, yeah. Yes, yeah. Adam Adam Levitan brought that up. That they they pair pretty well in best ball if you get both of those guys. 
Yeah, and I like doing that. Um, you know, some of these veteran quarterbacks, and this is happening in managed leagues too. Like I've been doing mm-hmm. these FFPC drafts, and you'll have guys like Matt Ryan on the waiver wire, Sam Darnold on the waiver wire. Darnold's yeah. actually another one who has a really good schedule to start. So my I love that strategy of like take your big swing on Trey Lance or Justin Fields. If they don't hit, well, no problem. Like quarterback is such a replaceable position. You can get baseline production from a late QB. And if if they do start week one, well, incredible. Then you can cut your backup quarterback and you can go on your merry way. So I really think the rookie quarterbacks are a bit of a cheat code this year. It's just rare for us to be able to get this kind of upside this late in drafts, especially considering we've now seen a movement after last year where all these really good mobile QBs have gotten way pushed up. Like these guys didn't used to go in the fifth, sixth round like they are now. We had our, you know, JJ late round QB pushing them all down. They smash, they move up, but now everyone is kind of hesitant because of the unknown of these rookies. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's interesting to see that. That's why I've been I've been uh, banging the drum for more super flex leagues, just because of this factor. Just because it drives me crazy that everybody thinks that well, not everybody, most everybody thinks Cleveland's going to be awesome this year, right? And that Baker Mayfield's a solid league average quarterback, uh, but he never gets even drafted in managed leagues, you know. Or if he is, he's like QB twenty, QB twenty two. But in a super flex league, you know that that sort of floor matters a lot more all of a sudden. Um, I wish we could see that a little bit more, uh, you know, I, and I want, I'm begging Greg and Tom from the NFFC to add a super flex contest because of that. do you play in too many, in many of those format leagues? Yeah, I just did a draft the other night. Uh, it was the, I think the draft sharks invitational and it was a 25 round super flex tight end premium draft. And I really nice. love those formats. Just like you said, it really stretches and it, I mean, I can sleepwalk through these underdog drafts now because I just know the scoring settings. I know the format, the ADP, but these, when you're in those and you have all those decisions where you can make a case for every position for pretty much every round. Uh, I like that. I do think in general, in those super flex leagues, that quarterbacks are undervalued. Rotoviz has done a lot of research in that specific format that three QBs by rounds five or six yield the highest win rate. So just by giving yourself those three really solid options, you're kind of giving yourself a few extra percentage points of edge against the room. Um, and then the other thing I, I did in that draft is I, I generally just punt running back too. I like getting that anchor. I took Jonathan Taylor late in the second round. This was with the Wentz kind of uncertainty and then grab all my wide receivers and quarterbacks and then worry about running back too late in those drafts. Yeah, I like that method. I like it quite a bit. I'm going to do a uh, salary cap league auction, whatever you want to call it, in a super flex format. And you know, coming up, I got a couple of those coming up. And I, I think I'll probably take a similar approach. I love that idea of the three quarterbacks early. Yeah. And, and you can, I think one other thing about super flex is you got to read the room. And sometimes it can be hard, but you can push it sometimes. If the room is collectively agreeing to deprioritize quarterbacks, you can push it to round six, seven. I think in this one, I took Taysom Hill in the seventh or eighth as my third QB because the room wasn't being as aggressive. And I was like, all right, I'm going to scoop up a couple more wide receivers I like here before I go back. But if the room's being super aggressive, I don't think I want to play that game of chicken. I do think I want to make sure I get that, uh, that uh, you know, quarterback I feel comfortable with. I like that. Uh, we're going to take a quick note here from our friends at Otternew. Otternew Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football. Auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he still is tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. 
Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit Ottonew, O-T-T-O-N-E-U.com today. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Pete Overzet. Uh, we are talking all sorts of things fantasy football. Pete, you mentioned just how you can do, you know, the underdog ADP in your sleep. How many drafts have you done so far? I am, I'm well over 200 uh, drafts right now because they have the best ball mania tournament with the mm-hmm. 1 million up top. They did the $5 puppy draft that filled in like a week and a half. I yeah. got like a hundred entries in that. And then they just launched their second puppy tournament, which is going to fill in the next few days. So I think I'm going to end up with a hundred in there. So I don't know, by the time the season ends, I'll probably be looking around somewhere between 300 to 350 drafts. Nice. That's a good thing. Those aren't managed leagues. <laughs> oh man, I would no. That's I can't even fathom. That's amazing. Uh, I love that 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 this has come out there. They, they've come out there and done that. You know, you know, I loved it when there was draft. Um, yeah. You know, I love that app too. Uh, it's good good stuff. I uh, love doing that. You talk, and I've seen a lot of talk in the last week or two, probably longer, but uh, on, at least in the foot, fantasy football Twitter sphere about efficient drafting as it pertains to best ball, more likely than it was in managed leagues, but. What does that mean to you, what an efficient draft is? Yeah, to me, what I've been thinking about, and I wrote about this in the beginning of the newsletter the other day, is you know, there's always the wars on Twitter, the zero RB, the robust RB, all that stuff. I've What I've really crystallized around is that there's no bad way to start your draft. There's only bad ways to mess it up. And I think that if you want to start your draft with three running backs, you can 100% do that. But then you need to make decisions the rest of the draft that assume you were correct in making those three positions. I think people in general are so often drafting scared or they want to draft a balanced team. They want to draft a roster that they post on Twitter and everyone says, oh, look how beautiful and nice that is. But in truth, the teams that win, think about DFS lineups, right? It's when you have the low-owned guy at 2% that goes off and everyone goes, how did you know to play that guy? Well, it's the same thing with these leagues. You're taking risks knowing that the reward outweighs you know, the, the downside there. So to me, an efficient draft is just building within the structures in a smart way and thinking about your draft capital that you're deploying. And whenever you use that draft capital early, that means you have to, you can use less of it later. So if you want to take Mahomes in the fourth, I don't do that a lot, but knock yourself out. But maybe don't take your second quarterback until the last round. Grab a really cheap Taysom Hill to pair him with. So often I see people do that and then come back and grab Russell Wilson in the eighth. And it's like, you already made your bet that you want to use Patrick Mahomes score every week. Now draft as if you are correct. Yeah, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. And the other thing you'll see is like, well, I'm going to have eight running backs, but I also drafted three early. No, don't, don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Mike Leone's done a lot of good stuff over at ETR looking at the win rate stuff. And what he kind of says is you can draft them early, uh, but you can't draft them often. Like you can pick one or the other. If you want to go zero RB and you want to get seven or eight running backs late, go for it because you need to make up for your lack of firepower with volume. But yeah, people just, sometimes they can't help themselves. And I'm guilty of this on the flip side. I love drafting wide receivers. And sometimes I look at a nine wide receiver team. I'm like, I'm gilding the Lily here. I do not need this ninth wide receiver <laughs> on this build, but I just love wide receivers so much. Well, uh, Pat, Pat Corain from NFPC, uh, it was in the same uh, Raz Bowl league with me and I was right next to him. And I went with one running back and a bunch of receivers. He went like, I think seven or eight right off the top plus a tight end. And, you know, it's just, it, w- it was kind of frustrating being right next to him. Cause I, I could tell he, he had this concrete plan. He knew what he was doing and all that. And unfortunately I was fishing from the same pool frequently. At least I think I was, but you know, it's just seeing that. And I know 
You did a, a great video with a, your Uncle Sam video trying to get people to draft more running backs so you could stop this uh, wide receiver push. Yeah, I uh, I do a show with uh, Karain and Ben Gretsch called Ship Chasing, kind of focuses on high stakes fantasy football leagues. But this summer, just because of the kind of, you know, monstrous interest in best ball, we focused on best ball for a good stretch of the past month. And because all of us are kind of so radical with our, uh, you know, pushing our wide receiver agenda, I mean, I, I we can't take, you know, full credit for it, but the puppy rooms in the ADP did legitimately seem to shift a bit to where, I mean, we had Calvin Ridley going at 104 in drafts. Like it, it went too far <laughs> is what happened. So I thought it would be a funny bit to be like, okay, all of us are having our wide receivers go way too early. We can't even draft how we like now because the ADP has been blown up. I needed to launch a propaganda campaign to, uh, to shift things back over. Yeah. So check out that Pete's timeline. It's a great video. Uh, it was awesome. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but check it out there. So I was just going to ask you, how much has the crowd shifted? I guess it's pretty strong there. Um, you know, because, you know, let's face it, you know, I think a lot the fantasy football as a community really pushes the early running backs. You know, I think the first Sirius XM had a draft right after the NFL draft, and it was 13 of the first 14 picks were running backs. And it, it, I think that's starting to, the pendulum starting to swing back a little bit. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I think about this a lot, too, where uh, people just I think like running backs more than wide receivers. And I don't know if it goes back to just when we all started playing fantasy football, you know, some people playing way before me. I remember my first year was, I believe it was 2008. And I had like a D'Angelo Williams team. That was when he just went nuclear in the fantasy playoffs. It's like, we are all born into loving these running backs, wanting the Ladanian Tomlinson's on our teams. So I get it from that perspective, but with the PPR scoring formats, with all the data that's come out, you really see how, and how the league is shifting right now uh, in favor of a lot of these offenses going super pass heavy. It's just really hard to match the kind of ceiling that these elite wide receivers and good offenses can give you. And, you know, that's why a guy like Stefan Diggs last year was a league winner uh, because he was going late, a stud wide receiver in a great situation. And we all missed it uh, in a lot of spots. So yeah, I, I do think there's a shift happening now. The data in the analytics is so good and Still, there are lots of different ways to skin a cat. Fantasy football is not a solved game. But in general, I feel like the data points to focusing on wide receivers early. Yeah, and the type of da data that we're using now is so much more, so much different than it was five, you know, 10, even five years ago. Uh, you know, baseball seemed like they were ahead for a while. I think football's kind of caught off in that. And, you know, and I, I dab do a lot in both. So you, you start to see now football, it, it's really a data heavy sport now. Yeah, it is. It is on. I like, I am, I'm glad that I have my lane of doing more, you know, writing and, and comedy and entertainment because the amount of, uh, incredible data analytics around fantasy right now, it's, it's absurd. Even from when I started playing more seriously in 2013, 14 was when I started my first dynasty leagues. I mean, we're light years ahead of that, the tools, the research, uh, it makes it very fun. I think we're, we're all approaching this almost from a, a scientific level at this point. It is. It really is. It's fun to see. Um, and to me, it's, it's, a lot to digest uh, because, you know, you're right. It's not a solved problem, but you, we had our method. We had our, our thing that worked and now it's getting challenged. And you want, I want it to stay this way. I want it. I want it to be, I don't want to have to change my methods, but fact is if you don't, you know, don't get ahead like that, try to find the next new thing. You're going to fall behind pretty quickly. Yeah. And that is the thing too, about all this stuff. And you mentioned like with the tides changing, like if 
everyone, if every single person in the room said, I'm going to draft wide receivers early, the running backs would become the best bets. Like it's a, it doesn't become, um, it's a, a dynamic thing. It's not a static, you know, rule. And that's why I like to be very reactive in my draft rooms. You know, I'm not reaching for a JK Dobbins or Deandre Swift, but when they're at ADP or falling past ADP, I'm then allowing the room to kind of dictate, all right, this is now a better pick because all the wide receivers got pushed up. Which leads me to my next question. What's more important, player analysis or draft strategy when you're, you know, you're, you know, trying to get that efficient draft or trying to get that uh, method that kind of gets you ahead of the crowd? What t- I, I guess in your just we'll just say it's a and we'll use stipulate it's underdog. It's uh, you're going through a best ball format. What's more important to you having a proper strategy or having the proper player analysis? To me, it's it's strategy uh, above everything. And again, I mentioned uh, Leone, who was looking at the uh, the win rates for uh, the best ball stuff, and you would see really uh, smart structures. Whether that was a hyper fragile, which is where you take three early and then wait and not draft anymore, an anchor you draft one early, wait for your second, or zero RB. Those structures all yielded very high win rates. But what was funny is within those structures were common players that weren't very good. Like Josh yeah. Jacobs and Todd Gurley were on a lot of the hyper-fragile teams. Eno Benjamin, who did nothing last year for the Cardinals, <laughs> was a high win rate player on zero RB. And to me, I think that proves that living within these structures is what gives you the advantage. And sure, you need to hit on the players, but that's actually a secondary concern to just building in a smart way. Yeah. And I think there's thousands of outlets for you to try to analyze a player. So I think, and many of them free. And so I can see where it's hard to get an edge and saying, well, I've got the goods on this guy. There's There's no such thing as the unknown player now, it seems like. Yeah. And information is so good now too. And, you know, maybe back in your home league five years ago, you could read a report that one of them missed these days. It doesn't happen. Like we see the ADP change in real time. There's one athletic report about Joe Burrow looking tentative, coming back from injury and not looking great in camp. He drops two rounds in ADP promptly. Like the market is so good now at being on top of this information that where are our edges? I mean, it's very small. It's the structural drafting. It's being willing to take on more risk in your player selections than other people. But like you said, I mean, fantasy footballers on the whole are very, very sharp, especially the ones drafting right now, you know, a month right. before the season starts. I did a, uh, I, I did an NFFC one uh, online championship on July 31st. And I think that, I think it was, yeah. And the, uh, or maybe it was, yeah, it was or the 30th, excuse me. On that day, there was a Florio report uh, saying that uh, sports books were taking the Packers futures odds offline. Uh, and there's the speculation that Rogers might retire to show you how on top of everything was Rogers dropped to like 11th, the 11th round in that draft. Nobody like drafted him in his normal spot. It's just like everybody knew the news. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's no, there's no discounts when the news happens, but going back to the uncertainty thing, I, my, my whole thought on the Packers situation was we had all this stuff early on, like back in February and March, it looked right. like he was going to just retire and host Jeopardy. And I understood the concern then, but as far as every day since then that he didn't do any of that or retire or get traded, I thought it became more and more likely that he returns just the most likely outcome. And yet the ADPs didn't reflect that, you know, Devonte Adams was still sometimes going in the early third in these underdog drafts because people were so spooked and same now recently with the Wentz injury, Jonathan Taylor was going 107, 108 
We get the Wentz injury. There's some uncertainty on his timetable. You're getting Jonathan Taylor at the two, three turn. There's some Christian McCaffrey teams that have Jonathan Taylor. And I think that's where the edge is, is not overreacting to this news and really taking the discounts, even though it feels gross, you feel like, well, what if they play Sam Ellinger all year and I'm stuck holding right. Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> well, at, at 212, you can handle that risk at that point. Right, right. And uh, same thing with Quentin. I think the combo package of uh, the Wentz and Quentin Nelson was just enough. Like, I think that Quentin, for me, it was the lineman, actually, that this spooked me a little bit more. But you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is really kind of letting the market overreact sometimes and swooping in. But uh, it, it's tough to be able to do that. It really is. Sometimes you you get caught up in it. I'm, I let Rogers trip, drop a couple of times when I probably should have taken him. I feel pretty bad about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. A uh, quick note here from our friends at Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for the diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry, Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com slash rotowire and start your dynasty today. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Pete Overzet. Pete has an awesome YouTube channel. When did you get that started, Pete? Yeah, I, I started it a long time ago. I, did, I do this uh, alter ego character named Pete Manzanelli, and that was kind of the impetus for starting it. Then I kind of shelved it for a, a while and then kind of came back and was like, all right, let's let's uh, get rid of the character. Let's try uh, to just do some, some fantasy content here. And uh, yeah, I've, I now kind of just... Uh, pursue my my interests. I think if you, the YouTube algorithm was trying to figure out my YouTube channel, they might be a little <laughs> confused because I do some NFT stuff. I do DFS, fantasy, you know, all the kind of across the spectrum of, of uh, I don't know, sports speculation, I guess you could say. So yeah, it's it's fun and it's been really good and kind of tying that to um, my Discord community has been really great. And uh, yeah, it's uh, YouTube's tough. It's a, It can be a grind at times. So I just try to only do things that are, are fun and interesting to me and then let the chips fall where they may. You know, it's, it's funny because you said earlier how it's tough that, to find a lane. You know, this our highway has gotten super crowded. It's now the 405 out here. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's And it's great. There's just so many great voices to hear from. Uh, but, you know, I feel bad for anyone that's trying to get into the business now because it's they're, they're, there's a risk of redundancy. You know, it's already been done. Uh, how do you find something new? How do you get how do you get great at it without and without being in, like anybody else out there? Yeah, I think the trap people fall into is they say, okay, I see you, I don't know, doing uh, Roto World blurbs, RotoWire blurbs, or I see you having your podcast and they're like, I want to do that exact thing. And it's like, well, there's already people doing that and right. they're entrenched. They have a first mover advantage. You're going to have to be really, really good to be better than them. Uh, so to me, the kind of two things are find something that the space is lacking. What is something unique thing? I've kind of just decided, you know, I'm going to try to do a comedic, entertaining spin on a lot of this stuff. Say uh, if you were an offensive line guru, how many offensive line gurus do we have now? I know of like Brandon Thorne at ETR, but that's about it. So I don't know. Maybe that's your passion. Well, it seems like there might be a void for that. Uh, so, yeah, it like you said, it's getting harder to find something unique, but I still think you can. And it's important too to know that 
I don't think you necessarily want to just sell fantasy football information. We just talked about how omnipresent it is. You want to sell something else, whether that's a community, whether that's your personality, whether that's access that you're willing to give people, whatever that is, I think you need to be willing to, to lean into it because the, the meritocracy of, of getting fantasy football information, it's like you said, it's so saturated right now. When did you start playing fantasy football? Yeah, I played, I remember I joined a league my junior year of college. I had played fantasy basketball in high school. I used mm-hmm. to go to the library and Yahoo had those teams and I didn't have enough time to draft one, but they had an auto draft thing where you nice. just click it and it spits out the rosters. And me and my buddy would do it like a slot machine and be like, oh, this one doesn't have Paul Pierce. I don't like this one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, football was, was 2008 was when I first started playing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yeah, man, I'm feeling old now. Uh, <laughs> but that's all right. I do that every day. I just turned 50 this year. So, uh, But, uh, you know, and the thing is, I, you know, and I, I just love hearing the, the backgrounds. Did you uh, have a bunch of friends that you got into a football league with? Uh, what, what's been your favorite format to play? How did, how did you really get into it now? Yeah. Yeah. I started, you know, just like a lot of people do with some home leagues, some work leagues, stuff like that. It was when I decided to co-manage a dynasty team with one of my buddies. That's when I really got the hook because once you make that shift from just playing, you know, during football season to thinking about football in March, that is like, you know, once you take the red pill and you go down the rabbit hole there. So Mm -hmm. that was a big shift. And then you know, since then with best ball too, it just kind of bridges the whole calendar. And I love how they feed into each other, like coming from dynasty into best ball. I feel more 
prepared for which of these rookies I want to target. And then when you roll from best ball drafts into my FFPC and, and high stake drafts, I'm feeling very comfortable about the textures of draft boards, the kind of teams I like to construct. So I like how they all feed into each other, man. My favorite, I do really enjoy aspects of all of it, like co-managing the high stakes teams that I do with Pat Crane, who you mentioned. That's just such a fun dynamic. And we've kind of shared that process with the people over at Ship Chasing. Um, but as far as just myself drafting, I mean, it doesn't get any better than best ball. You just get nice. that dopamine rush. You fire off as many as you want and uh, and don't have to touch it or worry about it the rest of the year. Awesome. What were you doing uh, for your profession before this? Yeah. As of, uh, a few months ago, I was working at a software company. I did marketing, uh, for them, uh, just typical, lots of writing stuff, pr uh, public relations for a small software company. So we, we took it as far as we could. I got way too busy, uh, with fantasy stuff this year. And I said, all right, let's just go for it. Nice. That's awesome. And you jumped into fantasy life doing the fancy knife, not life newsletter with Matthew. Uh, some great stuff there. When did, how, that was what in the, was that this spring that you started doing that? I actually did it last year. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed kind of, that. No, no, it's fine. Like we were both like figuring out a lot of stuff. It was kind of almost like a trial year for okay. us to kind of, for me to find my voice. I had done like a lot of writing for my day job as a copywriter, uh, but I hadn't done a lot of writing in fantasy. And so it was, it was experimenting, kind of figuring out the format and stuff. And so we, we didn't promote it a ton last year outside of Matthew's, you know, massive, you know, fantasy life list. Uh, but this year we upped the production on it. We're upping the frequency. And I think it's a really good product. I do really think if you're, you know, if you're a sicko like us, who's hanging out on Twitter all day and you're reading every Rotowire blurb, you pretty much are on top of stuff. But for the people that don't have time to do this, I think this newsletter is a really good way to just catch you up to speed. I'm going to make sure you don't miss anything important and uh, you get it in your inbox every morning for free. Yeah, you're crushing it. And I love how you're uh, bringing in a lot of different voices while you're doing that too. And uh, pointing to that. And you've alluded to like Sean, for instance, or Pat and all, all the all the smart people in this community and it, it, the ever growing community. It's it's amazing to see just how many really, really smart people are, are dedicating their lives to this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I want to shout out Rotowire too, because I lean on you guys a lot uh, for going through your blurbs. You guys have been doing the daily training camp updates. That's also yep. one of my checks. I go through, do my stuff. Then I go read that and see, were there any important things I missed in here uh, that I should pass along? So you guys are doing great work, staying on top of all of that news as well. And you guys are a huge resource for me when I write the newsletter. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I liked how you pointed out Jim Coventry's article. He's been crushing it for us this year and uh, I'd like to see him get some pub like that. So that was really cool to see. Uh, we have one question from a listener. Brandon asks, uh, which Rams wide receiver benefits the most from Matt Stafford joining him? Uh, is it is it one of the big two or who is it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And in general, I do think that these pass catchers are undervalued relative to the addition of Matthew Stafford. I mean, they're going essentially at the same spots they were in drafts that they were last year with Jared Goff. And it's like, we have a huge quarterback upgrade here. And it's even more condensed, I think, because we have Gerald Everett out. They ran a ton of two tight end sets last year. So, man, it is tough. But I think Cooper Cup is my favorite right now. I think the profile same. of the Robert Woods type, I like him. But I, I'd rather grab Tyler Boyd or Jarvis Landry at a much cheaper cost. But man, I think this is going to be an awesome setup for Cooper Cup. I think he's going to be a priority red zone target for Matthew Stafford. I think this team's going to score a ton of points. I think they're going to be up tempo. And I think he can be kind of the target hog in this offense, getting eight to 10 targets a game 
in an offense that's going to score a lot. So to me, the guy who's going to benefit the most is uh, is Cooper Cup. I agree. Uh, I like Cup a little bit better than Woods too. I even straight up, let alone for the cost. Uh, and it's so funny they ran two, so many two tight end sets because they were the original team eleven. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know, and you saw like uh, Zach Taylor taking that with him to Cincinnati and trying to run the same. And you know, th- their personnel d- kind of dictates that you need to run a lot of eleven. They don't have much in the way of tight ends, but it's kind of funny how they went full circle. But uh, good question, Brandon. Thank you for that. Pete, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I know you're a really busy man and you're doing a lot of great work. Uh, and it was a lot of fun talking with you today. Yeah, no, this was great. Thank you for uh, for having me on. Uh, definitely uh, stay uh, plugged into RotoWire and the Fantasy Life newsletter. And between us, you will not miss uh, an important training camp blurb. I can tell you that much. There you go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks to WinBet for the uh, sponsorship. Coming up tomorrow, we got John McKechnie and Mario Puig. Thanks for listening. Go subscribe to that Fantasy Life newsletter. It is truly awesome. Have a great day. Be back at you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com